0: What a liberating way to live to be able to say, Lord, I trust you. If you would, uh, hold out your hand like this for just a second. Uh, Make sure it's empty. Uh, Remember, what's in your hand right now, that's what you're going to take with you after your death. And if your hand is so full of worldly things and and problems and concerns, the things that are wearing you out, you're going to miss what God wants to give you. Your hands are full you can't hold anything else. So what I want to encourage you to do today is say, okay, Lord, I'm empty. I'm saying to you, I need more of you, which means I've got to stop focusing on some other things right now. And I've got to focus my heart and mind and on the Word. And I pray that this time of praise has provided that, and the time of prayer has also helped with that. But, but now let's, let's focus on the Word. Uh, if you've got your Bible, I hope that you do. Take it out and turn to the book of Ruth. We're in a series where we're talking about getting more. And the way we, we get more is not that God has to do something beyond what He's already done. The reality is, God has already provided all that we need in His love, and His love is filled with grace and mercy and hope. And, and what we must do is that we've got to have less of us so that we can have more of what He alone can give. If your life is filled with, with worldly things, you cannot have and you won't have space for the things of God. And so we've got to make room for that, and we've got to pursue that. See, the book of Ruth is about real people living in a real world with real problems. There's a real God with real grace and real mercy and and real hope. And and this is not theoretical, friends. Please understand, the Christian life is not theoretical. It's real. It happens in real time and space with matter. And and so we need to, to kind of get beyond this understanding only and get into the real life of doing and being what God died for us to be. As we do that, we get more of His grace and His mercy and His love. Today, we're going to talk about getting more mercy. And, and mercy is not getting what you deserve. Okay? There's this play on words, you know, grace is getting what you don't deserve. When we talked about last week, mercy is not getting what you deserve. Uh, how many of you guys have ever gotten out of a speeding ticket? Show of hands, please. Show of hands. You know, as I survey this, I keep noticing that it's, it's, there are some men, but mostly women, get out of these tickets. And I think there should be a study done. I don't think it's fair. A friend of mine, uh, his wife called him and uh ball I'm being pulled over. Uh, calm down. It's going to be okay. Registration's here. Just get everything ready. And, and you know, he said, well, you know, trying to be calm. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Well, how fast were you going? She said, no, it's not going to be okay. It's going to be expensive. You were, you know, goodness gracious. What were you? I was just crying. So I gotta go. Hangs up. Fifteen minutes later, calls. God is good. God is good. You know, mercy. Got a little mercy. God gives us a lot of mercy. God does not give us what we deserve. In his mercy, he gives us redemption and forgiveness. But he gives us more than that. And it's so important that you understand that, because I want you to really see that in our text today. When you think about the three circles, yes. our sin and brokenness, when we repent and believe, His mercy covers that, and that's done, and we don't get the punishment for that. But He also gives us a new life so that we can pursue and recover God's design. Understand that God's grace and mercy, it does not just redeem us. It gives us a new reality, a new existence, a new life. And, and, and that's what we see happening in, in our text. Uh, Ruth is being given a whole new life through Boaz. Now, last week I made a case, and I think a pretty good one, looking at chapter 1, that the book of Ruth should not have been called the book of Ruth. It should have been called the book of Naomi. Because, wow, what an amazing woman. Uh, go back to chapter 1. You see a godless husband, godless sons who marry uh, Moabite women. They die. They leave her in uh, alert. And she's responsible for these women. Uh, Orpah, Orpah goes back, but Ruth is willing to come back. And so she comes back, and you see there at the last part of chapter 1, she comes back to Bethlehem with Ruth. And, she, and they say, oh, there's Naomi. And she said, don't call me that. Don't call me Pleasant. Don't call me Sweetness. That's what her name means. I said, no, no, call me Mara. I'm bitter. So here is this bitter woman who is about of God's providential plan. And one of the things that you'll see when you study the Bible seriously is you're going to to see two uh, working facts. God is sovereign. We are responsible. There's a tension there. God is in control. We are responsible for the choices we make. We see in the book of Ruth the providence of God and the responsibility of humanity. Yes, God is in control. We know that because of the Bible and our experience. If you're a disciple of Jesus today, you know that God has intervened in your life. This was His sovereign work to bring you to salvation. You also know, though, that you're responsible because not only the Bible, but your conscience tells you. Now, what we see happening in chapter 2 and following... Is Boaz stepping up? And I think there's a case to be made that the book of Ruth should have been called the book of Boaz. And now we see in chapter 2, chapter 3, and half of chapter 4 uh, of why that is. And and we can see the providence of God and human responsibility working together to accomplish what God intends. That that complementary, that complementing view is, is what we hold as Bible-believing Christians. I know everybody wants to get in a cab. You Armenian or Calvinist, you Pelagius or, or you Augustinian. Let's just be for the Bible. And the Bible says quite clearly, God is sovereign and we are responsible. And and we see that in the text. We see God's providence. Please remember, the word coincidence does not exist in the dictionary of heaven. no such thing. There is only providence. So, what is providence? It's God's activity throughout history in providing for the needs of human beings according to God's purpose and for His glory. So, look in chapter 2. Where is where is Providence? Well, it's 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 in uh, chapter. Look in verse three. She happened that is Ruth happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz. Now how'd that happen? Well, Naomi and Ruth are now in Bethlehem. It's time for harvest. They don't have any food. Ruth says, "I got to go work." Naomi says, "Go, but be careful." And she just Happened under the providential hand of God to enter into the field of Boaz. Now look at uh, look at um, verses eight through sixteen. I'm sorry. Look at verse four. Look at verse four. Boaz came at that time to his field. Look, at, Boaz came from Bethlehem. Uh, the NIV says just then, just then, Boaz came from Bethlehem. Providence, Ruth, looking for a field, happens to come to Boaz's field. Boaz happens just then to be coming and sees this woman. Providence. But there's also human responsibility. Now, don't miss that either. Look in verse 3. When Boaz asks about Ruth, uh, his servant says, she happened, I'm sorry, look in verse 7. She has continued for early morning until now except for a short rest. Well, what's happened? Ruth, Ruth came and went to work. And she earned a good reputation. She earned it through her hard work. So when Boaz asks a servant, hey, who's, who's this young lady? The, the man says, uh, that's Ruth, the Moaz, and she works hard. She's been here. She's taking a short break. She, she's, she's something. Now, Boaz, Boaz notices her, and he shows kindness. And so you look in verses 8 through 16. He says, okay, we're going to provide protection, food, and favor. This is just common courtesy. This is human responsibility, recognizing human dignity. So Ruth goes home and she shares with Naomi at verses seventeen through twenty three and and Naomi's excited because oh this is one of our kinsmen's redeemers this, this is someone who could possibly uh, legally help us. this is someone who could step in and do something so she's she's really excited and then verses one through ten Naomi does something that that many disciples of Jesus don't do unfortunately. she explains the way for Ruth to come into God's provision of rest. Look at verses 1 through 10. Don't miss that. Look at look, look what Ruth says. Uh, I'm sorry, what Naomi says, Ruth, shouldn't I be providing for your rest? Shouldn't I be doing something here? And so then she explains how it is she could go about entering into a covenant promise of blessing through God's plan for His people there in Israel. Friends, many of us have family. We have friends. People where we work. Where you students, where you go to school, where you hang out, and they don't have God's rest. They are they don't have peace with God. As a matter of fact, they're at odds with God, and they're frustrated with their lives because they do not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. They have not been redeemed by the mercy of God. And who is it that's responsible to share that with them? Us. But many of us assume they already know it. Please don't assume that. Don't assume that. Assume they don't know. Assume they don't understand. Assume that that what's happening in our world today is what they're buying into. And everybody is either buying into religion or secularism. You say, religion? Well, isn't that what we're doing? No, that's not what we're doing. Religion says do enough to earn the favor of God. All the world religions on this planet, other than gospel-centered, biblical Christianity teach... You've got to earn the right to get God's blessing. That's what, that's what all other religions are about. I'm not going to name them, but that's what all other religions are about. Secularism says there is no God. Do what you want. Get what you can. Do what you've got to do. Both of those are destructive pathways. One leads to despair. The other one to pride. Both to destruction. There's only one way to life that God blesses, and that's through the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the biblical way. And this biblical way says we have to count on mercy. Naomi points out to Ruth, there's only one way to enter into rest. It is through a kinsman redeemer. Through one who will purchase and provide blessing for your life. Guides you, redeem you, and care for you all of your days. That is found in Christ alone. And that's what the book of Ruth is about. It's about this term, kinsman redeemer. It's about one who takes responsibility for another to give new life. It's exactly what Christ has done for us. Our kinsman. He became human. human. He, He entered humanity so that he could purchase us, our redeemer, that we might have life. So Ruth does what Naomi says. She goes to the threshing floor, and there's all kinds of cultural custom stuff that I would love to talk to you about this morning, but we don't have time. So you're going to have to get your study Bibles and your commentaries, and you're going to have to dig and do a little research. I'm also going to introduce to you this morning some theological and some ethical things that you really need to process and think through this morning and have conversations at home and with friends about. But but suffice it to say, Ruth did what Naomi told her to do. She acted in faith. And so Boaz provided a blessing. And that's what our scripture reading is. This all stand together in honor of God's word. Layla's gonna come, and she's gonna read what it is Boaz said in response to Ruth, coming by faith according to the word that had been given to her by Naomi for how she could be saved. So I I don't know if you would read that for us. And he said, May you be blessed by the Lord, my daughter. You have made this last kindness greater than the first. In that you have not gone after young men, whether poor or rich. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do for you all that you ask from my for all my fellow townsmen, and that you are a worthy woman. And now it is true that I am a redeemer. Yet there is a re- redeemer nearer than I. Remain tonight, and in the morning, if you redeem me good, let him do it. But if he is not going to agree, then as the Lord lives, I will you. right down until the morning. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen? Amen. Good job, good girl. Let's just sit down together and let's talk about this. So, we, we understand from, from God's word here the, the necessity for mercy. Before people can rightly receive mercy, they have to know they need it. That takes humility. But amazingly, if we will respond humility to our need and to the provision of God, it creates confidence. In our text, we see what happens to those who humbly receive mercy and who it is that mercy comes through. So take note of this. Mercy comes to those who humbly admit their desperate need. Ruth admitted it. She was not a proud woman. She she knew that she and Naomi would have to live off the mercy, that is, the kindness of others. And what we see in this is something significant that we need to understand uh, societal. And and, and in terms of a Bible-believing worldview Christian, we need to understand what benevolence is and what it's supposed to do and what it's not, and and what often happens and creates more problems than it cures. Uh, Benevolence is is supposed to look like a person recognizing the need and then giving a hand up, but not a hand out. James chapter 2 says this, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go and peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body. What good is that? So also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Listen, if our, if our faith isn't working in our real life, it's dead. If we are not showing mercy to others, then we've missed the point. God gives to us so that we can share with others. And God has given to us not a handout but a hand up. What's the difference? A hand up gives what enables a person to take responsibility for their life. A hand out gives what enables a person to avoid responsibility for their life. One of the things I love about Hope House and our partnership there is that Hope House is all about giving people the opportunity to recover their sense of dignity. Dignity that comes in understanding. They've been made in the image of God and they themselves have the responsibility and the capacity Go forward in their life. It's not a handout. It's a hand up that teaches them responsibility, that gives them the tools to overcome poverty and addiction, and to live responsibly. And what does responsibility look like? Well, our text shows us people are being responsible and, and work hard to get what they need. Ruth was doing everything she knew to do. She was a poor Moabite. She had no family, no connections. She was there with Naomi but she worked hard. She went and she did the, the good that she knew she could do. She humbly admitted that she had needs. She humbly worked hard to take responsibility. Ruth knew she needed mercy. She was not a proud woman. She admitted it. And mercy comes to those who admit it. Also, mercy comes to those who will receive it. Who not only say, I have a need, but I will, I will receive what you are providing. Boaz gave to Ruth two types of mercy. One was just common mercy. Go back to chapter two, look in verses eight through ten. This is just common mercy. This is just common respect. He says, "Look, I'm going to I'm going to treat you well. Stay close to the the young ladies that work for me. Uh, these men that work for me, they will not harm you. You know, he gives instructions to provide for her. This is just him giving." common mercy, what any human being should give to another human being. And Ruth humbly received it. And she was confident to glean. But Boaz gave more than that. He also gave redemptive mercy. Look over in chapter 4, at verses 1 through 12. I, oh, I wish we could dig into this. We just don't have time. But you look at this mercy. This is a man who takes personal interest in what's going on in this woman's life. It's not that, hey, let's go get a, a program started. Hey, yeah, 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 let's go and let's create an organization that will take care of this so I don't have to. It's not what he's doing here. And so many Christians, so many times what we want to do when there's a need is, let's get a program started. No, no, no. Let's step in and let's care for the person who's right here in front of us. That's what Boaz did. He he showed a common mercy, but he also showed a redemptive mercy. And that's what God's given to us. God has given us common mercy. Matthew chapter 5, verse 45. Your father who is in heaven. He, he makes the sun rise on the and on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. That's just common mercy. God gives us what we what we what we really don't deserve. He gives us. He gives us so much more. God it would be fine for God just to say, You guys have sinned, I'm done with you. But He doesn't. And, and even when we are faithless, he's faithful. That's common mercy. But he also gives redemptive mercy. Look in Romans chapter 3. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift of the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forth as a propitiation. Big word, what that means is he's the one who accepted the wrath of God. A propitiation is something that has settled and and been able to provide for the the ultimate justice necessary and given by the law. Propitiation it, it satisfies the law's just demand. In this case, death. He died by his blood to be and we received that by faith. We see Ruth here saying yes. I will not be proud. I will not try to go out on my own. I will not try to just figure it out. I won't just press through. I just won't pull myself by my bootstraps. No, I will be responsible. I will act according to all I can to do what I can because I'm responsible. But I will admit I'm in need. I will admit I need a Redeemer. And she received this favor. Now, this favor, it comes through a Redeemer who kindly, first of all, provides for every need. You look at what Boaz did here. It's so significant. He stepped up and provided for her. He didn't just say, hey, someone ought to do something. He did something. Verses 4 through 6, the, uh, chapter 4, the first thing he does is he brings to the attention uh, to the city that there's a legal need here. He told Ruth, if you'll remember in, in the section that, that Lila just read, there's someone nearer than me that can be the redeemer. And so what he does is he goes to the city gate and he calls this guy out. Verse 4, so I thought I would tell you it and say, uh, buy it. Buy the land of Elimelech. It's been sitting vacant for ten years. Buy it in the presence of those sitting here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not, tell me that I may know, for there is one besides you to redeem it, and I come after you. What's he saying? Hey, re- Naomi's back. It's time to buy the land. You're the one who's responsible to do it. Do it. If you won't, I will. So it's interesting what he says here. Look, verse three, end of verse 4. I'll take it. More money, more money, more money. Here we go. This, this is good today. I'm about to get some land for my family, for my portfolio. And I love the way Boaz kind of slips this in here in verse 5. Oh, good. Because the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire Ruth, the Moabite the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. Then the reaver said, "Uh, I can't do that. I can't redeem it for myself. That's expensive. I will impair my inheritance. You take my right of redemption yourself. I can't redeem it. So he did. He stepped in. Verse 9, Then Boaz said to the elders and all the people, You are witness this day. I have bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech, and all that belongs to Chilion and to Malan, also Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Melan, I have bought to be my wife. Boaz didn't just reveal the need; he provided for the need. And that's exactly what God has done for us. The law of God reveals our need for mercy. So many folks don't read the Old Testament; they don't like it because it 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 it, 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 it reveals the real danger of God and His law. And when you transgress His law, what happens? God, in His mercy, said, okay, here's my law. Keep it, and we have not. And then He provides for that law. And that's what He did when He died for us. And so there is now this this blessing that that comes to us because He cares for us. Look at Romans 8.32. He did not spare His own Son, but gave Him up for us. How will He not also with Him graciously give us all things? He provides. He provides for our life. And in in Christ, God gives us new life, new purpose, new guidance, new provision, new protection. And that protection is significant. Write it down. Mercy comes to a Redeemer who kindly protects from every threat. Left to herself, Ruth probably would have remained single. She probably would have done her best but her mother-in-law would have died a bitter woman without resource. Had she married, she would not have married someone who would have been a kinsman redeemer who would give access to the property and the continuation of the name and the blessing goes there. She just would have been another poor woman stuck in a poor marriage and a poor life that we would have never heard of. Instead, there was a provision, a miraculous, merciful provision Boaz stepped up the same way God did for us. And now God, as our leader in love, He protects us. He protects us. He has the power, and He protects us from every threat. One of my favorite psalms that I love to pray and sing is Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of God. Look at this phrase. The holy habitation of the Most High. We have a God who is the Most High God. And through His provision of blessing, we have never need to fear. Because He provides for us. He protects us. Because He has purchased us. Write it down. Mercy comes to a Redeemer who kindly purchases every part. Boaz was able to step in and buy the land that once belonged to Ruth's father-in-law Elimelech, because, uh, because uh, the rightful one who was first would not buy it. He didn't want to purchase it. What was he saying there? Apparently, all right, Apparently, he was this man, this one who was closest in line, he was concerned that any son born to him in Ruth would share the inheritance already planned for his present children. That's why he didn't buy it. Because any children that came from that marriage would have limited the inheritance of his already family. That is not what God did with us. God, at great cost, to Himself and His Son, provided not only the blood of Jesus to purchase us, but look what He has made us. Look at the life we have been given. This is Romans 8, 16 and 17. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. Look at this. We are now... Heirs of God's eternal kingdom. We share that with the Son, Jesus Christ. God did not say, Whoa, 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 that's going to cost me if I allow you to enter in. That will cost my Son. I'm not going, He easily could have said, I am not going to jeopardize my Son so that you sinners can have life. Not going to do it. He would have been completely just to do that. But He didn't because He's merciful. Because He's merciful, He sent His Son. His Son died in our place. We are now heirs with His Son. We now have access to all the spiritual blessings. We now belong to God. 1 Corinthians six nineteen through 20 Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own, for you were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. We are now responsible under the providential goodness of God to obey Him and love Him. He's protecting us. Why? We are His temple. We are His precious, beloved children. Yes, He's going to provide for us because He purchased us. And now we have this promise. And write it down. Mercy comes through a redeemer who kindly promises love forever. I want you to see what Boaz did here. He was linking the rest of his life to Ruth, and Ruth to him. Now we're gonna next week we're gonna see why the book of Ruth is called the book of Ruth. But there's something I want to show you. What to note for today is the consequence of Boaz's action. Think about this. He and Ruth were now one flesh, and would be together until death parted them. They were now bound with the same future. They're now connected to play a vital role in each other's life. Friends, that's what marriage is. Divorce destroys that. Long before divorce, a lack of grace and mercy and love destroys that. We must be, as God has been to us, gracious and merciful. And if you're going to have a successful marriage, you have to understand, you are bound together. till so death parts you. You are bound with the same future. You are connected to pay, play a vital role in each other's lives. So serve one another. Marriage is not about you getting what you want out of it until something better comes along. Marriage is a lifelong covenant between two responsible people, broken yes, who come together under the authority of God, whose futures are now tied together. Boaz and Ruth became one, and so we are one with Christ. Our future is bound with Christ. Nothing will separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Guys, listen to me. His future... Is our future. His future is eternal glory in a new heaven and a new earth. Is that your future? Is that what you live for? See, I asked you earlier, hold out your hand. I want you to think for just a moment. What worries you? What compels you to lose sleep at night? What makes you anxious? Does it have anything to do with your future in heaven? Some said, say, well, my children, I get that. But you're responsible to God. And He's responsible for them. Do you trust Him? It's a simple question. But the answer, it determines everything else. Because either you humble yourself, And you say wholeheartedly, I will trust you. Ruth said to Naomi, I'll trust you and I'll act in faith on what you said. Boaz says, stay here, I'm going to take care of this. Go home, here's a gift, I'm going to take care of this. Hey, where are you at? Are you anxious? Are you angry? Are you afraid? You don't have to be. Because of the mercy of God. You can tie your life to the Almighty and your life and your future in His hand. So where are you? Are you in God's hand or are you in your hands? And you can't handle you. You can't. You need the Lord. And if you will receive His mercy, He will make you like Jesus, and there will be so many blessings and benefits. You will—it will take all of eternity for you to count them and name them. Friends, trust Him. Let's stand together as we pray. Lord, we 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 desperately need You. You are our kinsman redeemer. You are our Boaz. We are Your Ruth. You are willing to, to step in right now. You're willing to, to give us new life. You're willing to allow us to acknowledge our need of help. And you're willing to provide that help. There are folks today like me There's stuff nagging them. There's stuff that's on their mind. There's always going to be stuff. But Lord, either we trust you or we, or we don't. Either we are going to be like Jesus who said, Lord, all of you. I want all of you. I want less of me. I want all of you. And so, Lord, I pray for some today who need to come and get on their knees and say, Lord, I want all of you. I want you to have all of me. I'm going to become less so that you can become more. I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to receive what you alone can give because you alone can provide. Spirit of prayer, come and pray or sing and contemplate what God has done for you.